you've got a good memory and can think back um, to before the summer, you'll remember that we were looking at the book of 1 Corinthians and we'd worked our whole way through the book over um, the sort of last term or so. You'll also, if you've got an even better memory, remember that we said we'd come back in the autumn and look at chapters 12 and 13 again. Now, I'll let you interpret that how you want. It may be that me and Chris made such a hash of it the first time we wanted another shot, or it may be that actually there were different things that we wanted to bring out of these passages, which is really more of the reality. Um, This chapter 12, actually it should be chapter 12, not chapter 11, um, that we need the reading, Phil. Um, This chapter is all about gifts of the Spirit, about spiritual gifts and about how God gifts the church. When we looked at this as we went through the sermon series, um, what actually happened the few days before was that horrendous bomb in Manchester. And we looked at this passage really in light of the question, what is the church for? How has God gifted us to serve the world in which we live? And again this morning, we come and look at this passage and we look at it when another disaster is facing many parts of the world. And it's just a reminder, isn't it, that we are called to be God's hands and feet. That Jesus has placed us as the church with the ministry of the gospel. So, let's have a look. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to read from verses 1 through to 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to dumb idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Let's pray again, shall we? Lord, give us openness to your word, we pray. Lord, help us to put down our own agendas and help us to just come in submission to, to this as your truth to us this morning. And I want to pray that in whatever way you want to speak to us today, whether it's something major that we need to change in our lives, or whether it's just a small thing, Lord, that we'll be open to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We were in um, Cardigan Bay in Wales over the summer. We had a really nice um, break down there. If you've ever been down that coastline, it's absolutely stunning, that sort of mid-Wales coastline. And down in that part of the world, apparently, live Europe's biggest colony, if you like, of dolphins. Has anyone ever seen a dolphin in Wales? Yeah, a few people. So we went down there, and we'd been down there before. The last time we went, we'd never seen a dolphin. So one of the main things we decided we were going to do when we were away, we were going to see 
a dolphin. This was high on the to-do list. And there are boat trips. Here's a, a picture of the boat trips that sort of go out looking for dolphins. So you go out in this boat, you go out into Cardigan Bay, and you travel around for either a couple of hours, or you can go for a whole day if you want, in the hope of seeing dolphins. So we book on this boat trip, and we go to this place called New Quay, not New Quay, Cornwall, in case you're thinking my geography's out of the, the window, but New Quay, which is in mid-Wales. And we sat on the harbour wall, waiting for this boat. What do we see in the harbour, about 10 feet out? Two dolphins. A dolphin, a mother dolphin, and her cub. A bit, bit like that. And then what do we see a bit further out? Two more dolphins diving in the water. Absolutely amazing. This crowd appeared, and we're all looking around. Then we get on the boat. We get onto this boat, and this boat's bouncing along in the sea, and we're on it for an hour and a half. What do we see? Absolutely nothing. They'd seen killer whales on the trip before. They'd seen a sunfish earlier that week. The dolphins had been out all day. The bird colonies had been full. Do you know what the two events of that trip were? One was a girl being sick over the side, and the other was a seagull pinching a biscuit. And that was it. We came off the boat, and we said... Well, that was a waste of time, wasn't it? We've been sat on this boat for an hour and a half, and we didn't see the dolphins. But you see, the problem with that kind of view is it actually takes a very narrow view, doesn't it? It doesn't look at the bigger picture. We said we wanted to see dolphins. We saw them, we just didn't see them on that boat. I think sometimes in life, we can get very narrow in how we view things. Sometimes in church, we can get very, very narrow in how we view things. And we can start to view church as if it's all about my experience, what God has called me to do. And we may be a bit broader. We may think, what has God called Lynn Baptist Church to do? But we can still get very sucked into these narrow ways of thinking. Now, that was a real problem in Corinth. It was a real problem because people got all focused in about what is God calling me specifically to do? And how is my gifting better than your gifting? And they developed this sort of spiritual hierarchy. It's interesting as well that in Corinth, tongues seem to be the thing that everyone was aspiring to. Where does Paul put them at the list? Here? Right at the end. It's almost like he inverts all their thinking and says, actually, these gifts of the Spirit that we're going to be talking about, God calls each one to different things. We take the diverse view, the long view, the broad view of the church, and these gifts are for the common good. When we looked at this passage before, we, we looked at how often these passages have divided Christians over recent years. What are these gifts? Are these gifts all for the church today? You know, I've said before, and I'll just reiterate it again, my own personal belief is that everything that we find in here is for the church for all time until Jesus returns. That we can't pick and choose, we can't sort of say, we'll like this bit and not that bit. God will gift the church in all these ways as he sees fit. And in verse 3, if you've got your Bible in front of you, what Paul really does is offers as a starting point in determining authenticity of gifts. And he says, actually, don't look at what a person can do. Don't look at whether a person um, is good at praying in tongues or uttering prophecy or whether they pray for healing. But look, actually, is that person really confessing Jesus as Lord? Is it the heart of that person's life, the Lordship? of Jesus Christ. And I think before we move on into this passage, actually, we need to ask ourselves that same question. Before we go any further, before we start thinking about how God may use us as part of his body, 
we need to ask that fundamental question. Is Jesus really Lord? Is Jesus Lord of your heart when you come into church? Is he Lord of your heart when you're driving and somebody cuts you up? Is he Lord of your heart when you're at the photocopier in work and it won't work for the 17th time? Is he Lord of your heart when you're commenting on Facebook? Or when you're sat browsing on the internet? Is he Lord of your heart when you're watching the TV? Whatever it is, is he Lord in those areas? Paul moves on, verse 7. He says that these manifestations of the Spirit, these gifts of the Spirit, are for the common good. They're for all of us to be built up. For the church as a whole, the widest body of Christ, to be built up and strengthened so that we can be Jesus' hands and feet. And all of us today, if today you're here and you can say Jesus is Lord and you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, then you'll be gifted by that same Holy Spirit. Isn't it amazing that God wants to give us gifts? Don't you've ever thought about that? You know, it was, um, Nick was saying, you know, God is kind. God does amazing things. And I think sometimes we get so bogged down with our own sort of thinking that we just forget to come in awe and wonder at God who just gives us and gives us and gives us. It's been a, a week of new beginnings in our house this week. Claire started a new job on Monday. Tim Scott started high school on Wednesday. And he wouldn't let me show you this morning a picture of him in his new high school uniform. Um, but he did say I could show you this picture of when he was nearly, nearly two. He's really cute, isn't he? The reason I'm showing you that is on his second birthday, we were living down in Bristol, and we were, quite, we were living quite a long way away from family, so most of his birthday presents came in the post. And there's a particular present that came from my sister, and he ripped this box apart. I can still remember him sat there on the lounge carpet, and it was a Duplo plane, you know, something really exciting. And he gets this Duplo plane out of the box, and he's like, oh, Auntie Lorna is so kind. And he just kept going on about how kind Auntie Lorna was. And it was just like he was in raptures that somebody would bother to send him this plane. Are we like that with God? Are we um, thankful for the kindness, for the graciousness, for the bounty of God who pours gifts upon us? You know, the greatest gift is Jesus, isn't it? You know, let's not get this out of balance. The greatest gift is that Jesus, the Son of God, has been given out of love by the Father, so that we can know him, the greatest gift of all. But the gifts that Paul goes on to mention are all from the Holy Spirit. And some of us, I believe, receive a gift from the Holy Spirit that will last a lifetime. There are some of us in this room who've preached for 50, 60 years, and God has been faithful in enabling us to serve the body of Christ in that way. There are other people within the church who perhaps, I, I believe, may be given a gift for a time and a season. And then God may give you another gift for another time and a season. I'm not sure how God works. It's up to him how he does that. But I came across this quote this week, somewhere or other on here. There it is. This is from Basil. I'm sure you've all heard of him. Basil of Caesarea. Um, lived an awful long time ago. And I think he sums it up in an amazing way. We do not possess gifts for our own sake, but rather for the sake of others. This is all for the common good. You know, if we spend our time reading this passage and saying to the Lord, what is my ministry? 
What can I do that will make me look good? What can I do that will give me significance in the church? I think we're barking up the wrong tree. If we're there thinking, wouldn't it be great to have, you know, my own private jet with the name of my ministry along the side of it? (laughs) We're perhaps not in quite the right frame of mind, according to what Paul would have us think about here. This is for the common good, for the building up of the church, a reminder that we are all called to serve Jesus and his priorities. Do we want to be strengthened as a church as we go into a new term? We need one another. We need the abundance of gifts that God will pour onto us. You know, I always think this term really feels like the new year, doesn't it, in some ways. It feels like we're going into something fresh. You know, we were in the the range yesterday, and guess what they were putting out? Christmas decorations. A whole section of Christmas stuff. And we're in that term with that run-up and that sense of things moving on. And this term as well, we're going to start unpacking as a church more and more about where we feel that God is leading to with our vision. And it's a sense that we need one another. We need the breadth of gifts that God will equip us with. And so verses 8 to 10, we come to um, one of Paul's lists of the gifts of the Spirit. There's another additional one at the end of this chapter. There's another long one in Romans 12, verses 6 to 8, which you can go and read at your leisure. So what we have in front of us is not exhaustive, but it's a, a, a list that in some ways is probably the most difficult to understand. Because most of the things that are on this list here are all very much gifts that God can give. We cannot generate these gifts on our own. We can't suddenly develop godly wisdom without God being the instigator and so on if we go through this list. So what I want to do is to sort of look at each of these in turn, very briefly. We're not going to be here till 3 o'clock this afternoon, don't worry. But just quickly to look through them and offer some points as to what these may be about and think practically about how we can use these gifts within the church. Paul doesn't go into much detail here, and I think we need to be very careful we don't let ourselves get boxed in in how we interpret this. You know, I've been to to seminars and sat through teaching where they want very clearly defined ways of explaining each gift of the Spirit. Paul doesn't do that, and I think we just need to be careful that we don't box ourselves in with human interpretation, but rather we allow God's Spirit to speak to us. So let's have a look. Gifts of wisdom and knowledge. I don't know what's happened to my PowerPoint here. It seems to have gone out of order. Anyway, never mind. We'll leave it there. I think I can manage as we go on. Holy Spirit-inspired wisdom. What do we do with wisdom? Wisdom is essential, isn't it, in the life of the church? You know, I think of the the sort of days that we live in. We live in a world, in a postmodern generation. How do we share Jesus to the world that we live? How do we walk along the sort of the ethical pathway that um, we, we face ourselves as a, a society with so many questions and problems. How do we do that? Well, we need God's wisdom, don't we? We need the wisdom of God to speak into the life of the church. And I know amongst us here, there are people who God has given wisdom to, to speak a word of season into the life of the church at different times. We need it. Wisdom is a key theme right through the Bible. It's personified in the book of Proverbs. Solomon, in all his splendor, what did he desire first? Wisdom. We need to pray that this gift is in evidence in our church. What about the gift of knowledge? It's a bit trickier. There have been lots of different interpretations as to what this is actually about. Um, My own view is that it's something to do with prophecy and sharing something of the heart of God into the situation of the here and now. 
I think a good example, we can look in the ministry of Jesus in John chapter 4. Where Jesus, if you know the story, I don't know if you know the story about Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. And he goes and he talks with this woman and he knows things about this woman's life that he couldn't possibly have known in the natural. That somehow God has revealed things to him that enables Jesus to speak to this woman at a really deep level and the gospel as a result goes forth in power from what happens. A few months back, um, I was praying with somebody and I really felt that God impressed something on my heart about this person. And the only way I can describe it is is like that. It was like just a a gut feeling that actually there was something that I needed to speak into that situation. Being a man of great bravery and courage, I did absolutely nothing about it. (laughs) About two weeks later, I found out that what I should have said, I did actually need to say, because it had been such an encouragement to that person. What I had sensed I'd heard from the Lord was actually true. And if I'd had the guts to share it, it would have been such a blessing to them. But I didn't. I have to say, I was fearful, and I stepped back. I shared it with Claire, but that wasn't any use. It wasn't anything personal, by the way, just in case you're wondering. But what do we do with those situations when perhaps we feel that God would have us share an encouragement with somebody, or something that would speak into somebody's life? But we need to be careful here. We need to be very careful, because I've seen this go horribly wrong as well. I was once in a a situation where um, I knew a woman who had had a dream, and they believed it was from God as well. And it was about somebody being involved in a huge accident. And they shared this with the person concerned. And it absolutely devastated them. Thankfully, it never happened. Thankfully, it, it wasn't from God. Why would God, who is kind, do something like that, where you can't do anything about it? So what is on the screen now is three things that I would always ask if we're thinking of sharing anything that we believe the Lord may have laid on our heart with somebody. Firstly, is it in line with Scripture and the character of God? God will never, ever, ever speak out of line with his character. He will never, ever say something to any of us that goes against what is said in Scripture. He cannot speak against his own character. Second thing, will it build them up? Now, that doesn't mean that God will just want to come and say to somebody, God, you know, God wants you to know that he thinks you're great or something like that. It doesn't just need to be platitudes. But will it point that person in the direction of God? Will it build them up? Will it encourage them? Will it point them in a good direction? And third thing, if I'm wrong, will it hurt them? We do get things wrong. We need to give one another permission to fail. If I was wrong in that situation when I didn't share with those particular people what I should have shared, If I'd have got it wrong, I would have looked a bit silly. They wouldn't have been hurt by it. So I would say, if the answer to the first two is is okay, and the last one is okay as well, then let's be bold and step out and share. However, if it's not, then better to keep our mouths shut than risk doing untold damage to one another. Let's move on. Gifts of faith, healing, and miracles. You know, if today you're here and you have a faith in Jesus, that is uh, one sort of faith. But I think what Paul is going on about here is perhaps something that is, is more specific, where actually there are times and seasons when particular people will have a gift to believe that God will do something amazing in a situation that is incredibly difficult. To believe and to hang on and to cling on to God when perhaps things 
gets up. Gifts of healing. Did you notice anything about this compared to some of the other ones? Anybody? It's in the plural, not in the singular. Gifts of healing, not just gift of healing. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Every church of every Christian tradition that I've ever been to prays for the sick. I don't think I've ever been to a church service that's had intercessory prayer where the sick, the people who are ill, have not been prayed for. So why is this an area that can sometimes cause us so many problems and so many questions? Why do we pray if we then doubt that God heals? Well, I think what Paul has in mind here is not just the sort of general intercessory prayer that, say, comes from the front where we we pray Jesus' direct healing into a situation, but that actually there are people within the body of Christ who have been specifically gifted to be able to minister healing through the body of Christ, which still comes from Jesus ultimately, but that is ministered through the body. You know, healing comes in so many ways, doesn't it? Obviously, there's the healing of our physical bodies. But there's also the healing of our minds, our emotions, sometimes our memories, all kinds of different things where God may want to heal. But again, let's not box God in here. Let's not put this in a box that gets too tight. A couple of weeks ago, over the summer actually, I was chatting to a lady. And she believed God had used the gifts of a Christian surgeon who had spotted a problem in her that the other doctors had failed to spot. As a result, this woman got better and is totally well ten years later. Is that a gift of healing that that surgeon had been given? Well, I would say yes. It's a gift of healing. A gift of healing. Is it a gift of healing when we're good at chatting with somebody and allowing somebody to work through their their problems and, and their issues? Is that a gift of healing? Absolutely. God can use the body, in so many different ways. Others of us, this morning, may have a real heart for praying for the sick, praying for people who are ill. And I think I've shared before, I haven't got time to really go into it today, but I was once prayed for with, by somebody who I believe God had gifted in praying for healing. They prayed for me, for a situation I'd been to the doctors about, and it just hadn't got better, and I recovered very quickly. Does God heal today? Yes, Absolutely. Should we be praying for healing if we want to be biblical? Yes, absolutely. Does God use doctors and nurses and medics? Yes, absolutely. Does God heal everybody? Not in this life. Eternally, yes, but not in this life. You know, every Christian who has ever lived has ultimately succumbed to dying, has ultimately had their body fall apart. And so we have to put that into the equation. But I believe that as a church, we need to be open to praying for healing and bringing people before the Lord. The Bible clearly gives the expectation that the church will continue the signs of the coming kingdom that Jesus brought in with his ministry. You see it right the way through the book of Acts. You see it referenced into some of the letters. And then as you read the second and third centuries of the life of the church, it is still going on. It's only started to peter out as the church became very formalized in the fourth century. Healing is not in our hands. It's not to do with how we pray. It's not to do with saying the right words. But it's to do with the sovereignty of God for whom we come and offer prayers for healing. 
What about the next one? Miraculous powers. Again, just to encourage us, we, we mustn't get too boxed in here. What does Paul mean? Most sort of early commentators, people who were writing not long after Paul had died, are suggesting that actually this was about dealing with the powers of darkness. Um, there was the reality in the Bible, isn't there, of, of evil, of Satan, of um, the powers of darkness. And we haven't got time to unpack all of what this could mean today, because this could go on for an awful long time. But just to say that I find it really encouraging that God has gifted the church so that we can deal with these issues if they do arise. That God will gift individuals within the church to be able to do that. Just two words of warning, though. I would encourage us never, ever to go looking for evil. Never, ever to do that. And secondly, if you do feel that God has gifted you in some way in this area, please come firstly to speak to us as a leadership team. This is one of those areas we can easily get very tripped up over. Let's move on. I'm conscious of, of time. Gifts of prophecy, discernment, and tongues. Prophecy, what is prophecy all about? Well, we looked at this in quite a lot of length as we went through the, the sermon series through this book, so I feel like saying, can I refer you to the, the sermon that was preached sometime last term? You can look it up on the website. But prophecy is really about the, 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 the word of God, the speaking of God into the here and now. Something of the tender, kind, loving heart of God spoken into the here and now. Now, that may be that somebody just feels they've got a Bible verse to speak into a situation. Or it may be that, you know, somebody feels that God has gifted them with a particular message or something to bring to the church. And it's been really encouraging, I think, for us as a leadership team since we first started to look at Corinthians, that we've had a number of people who have sent us on email or spoken to us, really getting the the, the sense that God was speaking to us as a church in a particular way. And that has been Bible verses, it's been um, just words of encouragement. And the amazing thing is, is so many of them have been about the same thing. If God is speaking, he will be consistent, won't he? But we need to be open to God speaking. I've said it before, and it's probably just worth reiterating. If you do feel that God ever lays anything on your heart that is for the church, do let me know, let one of the other leaders know. Email it to us, come and chat to us. If during a church service you feel there is a word, or it might be a word of scripture or just a word of encouragement or whatever it is, come and talk to the person leading the service and we'll try and discern whether it is appropriate to share that in the here and now. The next one, distinguishing between spirits. I think this one is really to do, again, with discernment. Is what has been shared from God? Now this one to me is a bit of a if you like, a warning bell for all of us. There wouldn't be the need for these kind of gifts if we always got it right. You don't need discernment if everybody says everything correctly all the time. So for me, it's a great warning to to actually, if we do feel that the Lord has said something to us, to offer it to the church lightly. I feel God may be saying this. Not, thus saith the Lord, you know. But I feel God may be saying this. Can I offer this to you? Go away, test it, pray over it. Check it lines up with scripture. That kind of touch that says, you know, God is God. And let's come and weigh things together. Tongues. Last on Paul's list here. First on the Corinthians list, last on Paul's. Again, we've spoken at length about this previously. It is a gift for today. Not every Christian is given it. It's not a sign of being super spiritual. 
but it's a way of praying and praising to God for use in private prayer or in the public setting, but only with an interpretation. And then we get down to verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as he determines. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. And it's all for the common good of the church. There are loads of different gifts. You may be thinking, well, actually, I'm not sure whether one of those is where God has called me or whether I know anything about it. But there's a whole load of other ones. There's 25 altogether that are lifted, listed. Some of them perhaps aren't as popular as others. I don't see many people crying out for martyrdom. Celibacy perhaps gets a bit shortchanged at times as a gift of the Spirit. But these are all different ways that God calls his church and equips his church. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Especially that gift that is God speaking into the here and now. So what do we do with all of this? Yeah, we can look at that and say, well, that's fine. Lots of gifts of the Spirit. Perhaps we know a little bit more about some of what some of them may be about. But actually, there are a couple of things you may need to do this morning. You may need to do absolutely nothing, and that is fine. You may know why God has gifted you, and you may just need to get on and, and use that gifting, in which case, just sit back and relax. But actually, as we've looked through these today, you may be sat here thinking, well, I don't know how God has gifted me. I just don't know. I, d- I don't know what I'm gifted to do. I haven't yet found my place to serve in the body of Christ. The good news from this passage is if you've been born again by the Holy Spirit, if you know Jesus is Lord, you have been gifted. Verse 7 says that. It says that everybody who can say Jesus is Lord has been gifted in some way by the Spirit. If that's you today, you may need to set off on a journey of discovery. That may involve talking with your home group leader, talking with somebody on the leadership team, having a go at different things, praying that God will lay on your heart those areas where perhaps you need to get on and serve him. You know, we need you as a church. The church shouldn't really be a church of passengers. It should be a church where we're all part of the body of Christ. We all have a part to play. So if that's you, there may be an exciting journey ahead of you. There may be things that you need to get stuck into and try out. Second thing, perhaps you've been hearing this today, and perhaps there's a bit of a restlessness inside of you. Within you, you feel actually... God may be calling me to something totally different than what I've been doing to now. There is a sense that actually perhaps I need to pray for a different gift or an additional gift. Now, I believe it's entirely appropriate for us to pray for gifts of the Spirit. Why would Paul say desire if we're not to pray for them? Why would Paul say seek if we're not to then get on our hands and knees and say, Lord, will you equip me for whatever it is you want me to do? So if that's you today, if you're here and you're thinking, actually, there's a sort of restlessness within me. I feel I need to seek prayer. I need to desire those things that God has for me. Just in a few moments, we're going to sing our final song and bring our service to a close. But then if you want to pray with somebody, the, the prayer ministry team will be available at the back of church, or if you want to grab one of us as leaders, or pray with the person you came with, or somebody sat near you. Let's do that. Let's pray that God will equip us for all that he needs us to be. You know, we need one another, don't we? The church is never meant to be that all the gifts reside in one or two people or the leadership team. 
All of us are part of the body of Christ. All of us have a part to play. You know, Holy Spirit, today in our fractious world, we need your gifts to empower us, to equip us to bear fruit, and to enable us to take Jesus to a hurting and broken world. Let's pray. says in Zechariah 4, verse 6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Lord, would you forgive us for those times when we try and do things in our own strength? Would you forgive us for those times where we look perhaps to our own abilities rather than the things you have called us to be and do? And I want to pray this morning, if there are people who you want to equip in a new way, to give new gifts to for the common good, Lord, that you will just stir hearts this morning. Lord, that by the ministry of your Holy Spirit, we can be everything as a church that you have called us to be. And I pray that as we go into this new season, this new term, the new academic year, you'll just give us a fresh openness, a fresh desire to be the people that you need us to be in Lim, in the surrounding area, so that people may see and hear the good news of the gospel. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.